My name is Jacob Stoops. And I'm Jeff Luella. And you're listening to the Page Two Podcast. This is our podcast about the people of the SEO industry. We chronicle the real life stories, experiences, challenges, and advice from some of the most amazing people in the business. In this week's episode, we talk with Claire Carlisle, owner of Claire Carlisle Marketing and a chartered marketer at the Chartered Institute of Marketing. We dive deep into Claire's early career in education and how her teaching experiences led her down the path for career change, getting her master's in marketing, and how she began her career in digital marketing. We explore her time at agencies and how she knew that small business marketing was her passion and how that led her to SEO. We talk at length about imposter syndrome, getting into SEO speaking, the importance of saying yes to things that may scare you, as well as cover her upcoming Bright Local Academy course. For this week's topic, we get Claire's perspective on what it's like to run a small boutique marketing agency and we answer over 10 Twitter questions submitted and declare the winner of a free Page 2 Podcast t-shirt. So get your popcorn ready as we tell Claire's SEO story and have another great roundtable discussion. Everybody, uh, this is Jacob Stoops, Senior SEO Manager at Search Discovery, and we are back with episode number 58 of the Page 2 podcast. So uh, we're getting dangerously close to halfway through season three. Uh, and of course, I am joined by Mr. Jeff Luella, uh, Senior Technical. And Jeff, I, can't, I think I mess your title up just about every time. Technical uh. SEO at the Wirecutter. <laughs> From the New York Times last year or last episode, I remember that uh, I said the New York, uh, the wire cutter, New York Times division or something weird like that. And I was like, that's not right. Yeah, so, it's all hey, good. Hi, anyway. hey. <laughs> hey, hey, howdy. Hey, no. Yeah, I, I think it's officially senior technical SEO product manager. Yeah, I, mean, I just say tech SEO. That makes yeah. me it makes it a lot shorter. <laughs> so it's funny at Search Discovery, and it's this is a funny thing about titles. Um, all of our titles at one point last year were switched to instead of like our specific discipline, our official title within the company was in marketing, which just made marketing. So like, really, I'm a senior marketing manager, but because I'm you know within the SEO discipline, I um, I just put on my LinkedIn. I'm an SEO manager. Yeah. That's kind of what I, what I do. And nobody, nobody has asked me to take, you know, to change it yet. So unless they I'm sent you new business cards. Right. Change. Yeah. And then it's, then it's <laughs> official. Uh, so we were talking, uh, you know, before we, before we jumped on and I do want to introduce our guest. Uh, this is going to be an awesome, awesome episode. And we actually have some carryover stuff from last episode. Uh, but Jeff, has somehow procured a Screaming Frog sweatshirt. And I, yeah, look at that. Nice, beautiful Screaming Frog sweatshirt. And yes. our guest also has one. So I am the only one left out. So Screaming Frog, if you happen to be listening to this podcast, you're killing me, man. Come on. Where's the where's the love? You needed to, to get on the post. They had, they had the first out. hundred on the post. Yeah. I feel like I did when it came out, but I guess I guess I'm just wasn't one of the first hundred. Might have not, been I'm not one, one of the cool kids. 
<laughs> All right. So now that I'm not one of the cool kids, let's bring on one of the one of the other cool kids in this episode. Uh, so we're bringing on Claire Carlisle, owner of Claire Carlisle Marketing. Welcome, Claire. Hello. Hello. Thanks for having me. How are you doing this fine morning? I morning am very well. Very well, thank you. Very excited to be here. Yes, and uh, Claire, how did you procure your Screaming Frog sweatshirt? Um, mostly from moaning and shouting very loudly on Twitter about not having one, and then Screaming Frog yes. pointing out I hadn't actually uh, taken part in whatever you had to do to get one. Um, and then it was lovely Tim who said, I'm moving house, you can have mine if you want. And so I had Tim. Thank you, Tim. All right. So if there's anybody out there that just happens to be moving that wants to give me their Screaming Frog sweatshirt, I'll take it worn as well. Or I'm just going to have to go print my own. You know, I'll just I'll just get your logo and I'll print my own so I can pretend to be uh, with the with the in crowd. But I just wonder is you just you know, need one of those cricket machines. Right. Well, yeah. You know, if I put up a picture, is Screaming Frog going to call me out for like, hey, you weren't on our list. That's a fake sweatshirt. Yeah, they're going to you have a picture of a toad instead or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah it'll be <laughs> like what 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 is it when you go to uh New York City and you've got those uh those street merchants selling you kind of the knockoff uh yeah. the knockoff glasses yeah. or whatever. Uh that's yeah. you know, shouting know. shouting toad, shouting yeah. toad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shouting toad. All right, there we go. Uh, all right. So uh, for those of you, so again, as we mentioned just about every week, uh, we realize we are a small and very niche uh, podcast. We're growing and we're very happy about that. But uh, we do have a lot of first time listeners. Uh, and, uh, you know, we've been brick by brick kind of building building our audience. Uh, and that has continued in season three. So uh, if you are one of those longtime listeners, we really appreciate you. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, man, uh, you know, we're, uh, we're very humbled and very, uh, very feeling very grateful, especially this time of year, uh, that we've been able to uh, put put a podcast out there that people that people like because one of the things when I when I had first started the the podcast is like are people even going to want to listen to what I have to say um and the good news is uh at least a small number of people are going to <laughs> going to want to listen so that so that's good um for those of you that are just discovering this podcast let me give you like the uh the elevator pitch for what our podcast is about um so uh if you're looking for a, an SEO podcast and looking for advice that's not necessarily the core focus of our podcast. We do do that. Uh, you know, we bring on amazing guests who've had amazing experiences, and we definitely um, tell a lot of stories about different things that we've kind of gone through. And we do touch on recommendations, uh, but we are not the uh, uh, Neil Patel or Brian Deans of the of the world. God bless them. I know people have some extreme opinions about you know about those uh, you know those types of characters, uh, and. I, I, I don't want to like say anything about Neil. I actually tend to like what Brian, Brian Dean does, um, but we're never going to claim to have literally all the, all the answers. And sometimes uh, other, uh, you know, other experts and podcasts, they do come off a little bit that way. Uh, that being said, kind of the way that we're unique is kind of, we flip that on its head and we actually turn our focus inwards uh, and we focus more on the people behind the strategy. Um, you know, SEO is not necessarily something that is 
taught properly, you know, at your traditional educational institutions in your universities. So people tend to come from all walks of life and through 58 episodes, we have found that to be true. Now we've seen some commonalities as we've talked to more and more people, but for the most part, people fall into it. And we think that those stories are um, honestly in, really, really amazing. Um, and, and it's always very interesting to see kind of how people fall uh, into the SEO profession. And uh, it's really uh, about telling those stories and get an understanding of who people are, what experiences they've had, uh, especially lately, we've focused a lot on talking about diversity and how we can improve the diversity in our industry. And that, of course, is very important. Uh, but you don't in my opinion, like you can't learn how to improve diversity without understanding what's happened and why people have felt that way and what situations they've been in in their career, uh, you know, those types of those types of things. So that's what we're all about. We're all about kind of sharing the quote unquote war stories uh, of SEO, what happens behind the scenes. Uh, we do drop knowledge uh, from time to time. So you will get some of that. Uh, but our focus is more on the people uh, and their experiences. So that being said, uh, before we kind of dive into Claire's uh, superhero origin story, uh, we do uh, we do want to do our live read. So we've been doing this for a couple of weeks, uh, and that live read has to do with an organization called United Search. Uh, so here we go. So are you looking to break into the SEO conference uh, conference speaking, but not sure how? Are you feeling that you are not well represented within the current SEO speaking circuit and want to change that? We at the Page Two Podcast would like to take the opportunity to let users know about United Search, a new organization and first of its kind SEO speaker accelerator dedicated to ending the implicit bias in SEO that keeps BIPOC, LBGTQIA+, and women in the margins of our industry. Their credo is diverse SEO equals better SEO, and we are huge believers in that. Uh, United Search offers mentoring advice from people with real-world practical SEO experiences in order to give students the skills they need to be able to deliver an amazing presentation on any stage and the network they need to land gigs, all at no cost to the students. How does this work? Well, it's pretty simple. United Search connects a cohort of the best pitches they can source with the top mentors in their subject matter. After working with their mentors to develop their talk, they will host a live stream event where students get to present to SEO experts and receive positive, constructive feedback. Graduates of this SEO accelerator will get the benefit of top-notch mentorship, public speaking training, a video reel, lots of positive feedback, as well as a foot in the door to help find and land speaking gigs and access to an amazing community of SEO professionals. What does this mean for our podcast? As a sponsor and advocate, we're committed to regularly showing stats that illustrate our commitment to diversity on this podcast, and we've made a pledge to diversify, meaning that 60% of our guests will come from underrepresented groups, including women, BIPOC, BAME, LGBTQIA+, as well as representation for people with disabilities and those who are 55 and older. If this sounds of interest to you, visit unitedsearch.org to learn more about becoming a student or mentor or visit them on Twitter at search underscore united. All right. Am I getting better every week every with that week. read? I every think week. I only had two slip ups that time. Uh, I think, uh, you know, maybe in a couple of weeks, it'll be down to, to nothing and I'm, I'm going to retire. Jeff's going to take over the podcast from here on out and uh, I'll be working my first radio gig. I'm just going to be cutting that same over and over. Like, I'm not going to read it. So, yeah, <laughs> no, I'm a, 
and I'm also excited because I'm almost in that 55 plus range. So exactly. There we go. I get that demographic. Hey, we are actually going to be instead of 60%, it's going to be a hundred percent. Once Jeff kind of gets, it gets into that, into that age range. Yeah. Um, yeah. Fortunately it's closer than I'd like it to be. <laughs> oh, all right. So let's take the focus off of us for a second. We've been talking too much about ourselves and, yeah. uh, Claire, uh, the people have come and they want to know uh, about you. So tell us about yourself and uh, share with us your origin story. Ooh, where shall I, where shall I start? Where shall I start? Shall I when, start where I where, am now? Yeah, were you, were you ever bitten by a radioactive spider? And, and if so, how did that, uh, what superpower do you have? <laughs> no, that didn't happen. That, that never happened. Uh, We'll, we'll origin story where where in in terms of where I am now. Uh, what did I do? I grew up. That was that was a thing. And then I went to university. I trained as a primary school teacher. So that was four years. And then um, I went into teaching and and found that I didn't dig children that much. So it wasn't perhaps the best career choice. Um, I was living in London. I. Um, used to like rock climbing a lot. So I came to Pembrokeshire in West Wales and then um, fell in love with a, with, a, with a man and then moved here. And then I didn't want to be a teacher. So I ended up um, selling ice creams on the beach, um, doing lots of little odd jobs and bits and bobs. And then I ended up um, working at an adventure centre. So that was probably, I think, my awakening in terms of... Uh, marketing um going into that business um and doing all the things all the things with the people so i used to direct sell and i used to welcome people and then i used to host people and then it was like oh i'm doing all the parts of the process and now i need to sort out the website and now i need to do the marketing and and that's where it all started really i think that sort of involvement in small businesses and uh, all parts of a small business um, and that's when I fell in love with with marketing and then into SEO. And then um, I didn't have a marketing background, so I did a master's in marketing. Um, and then I decided that I wanted to work with lots of small businesses on their marketing. And then I sort of fell in love with SEO and local SEO. So this is uh, this is two weeks in a row that we've had guests involved specifically with ice cream yeah, and local SEO. And, and local SEO. <laughs> there, it's an obvious it's an obvious partnership, really, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> and I'm just gonna go buy the domain ice cream and SEO. That's okay, a new it. podcast. New podcast. There we go. Do it. What's do your it. Uh, you know to take you back to your to your ice cream days? What is your or what was your favorite flavor? Gotta ask that. Um, well, it's very specific to here. It's called Celtic Crunch. What is Celtic Crunch? Celtic that sounds Crunch amazing. has got like it's sort of like caramelly with uh, bits of like uh, honeycomb in it and raisins. Um, yeah, so I guess it's a, it's a it's a sort of Welsh Pembrokeshire flavour. Sounds wow. delicious. Yeah, I you guess can, if if you come to visit. I would like so buy you an ice cream. All right. 
So the, I, don't, I don't think a U.S. passport gets us anywhere these days. So no, no one's going anywhere. We'll just have to have a virtual ice cream party. I'll, I'll imagine it. Yeah, I guess if I were to close my eyes and, and imagine Celtic crunch, and I'm not trying to be facetious, and I and I say this because Dublin, Ohio, which is where I live, is the second biggest. Irish, and I'm assuming I'm associating Celtic with Irish, so I don't know if that's an improper association. Uh, but yeah, Dublin, they fall under some umbrella somewhere. But Welsh people are very Welsh, you know. So yeah, yeah well, yeah. See, I, I definitely am be, being from the U.S. Do not understand kind of those local idi- idiosyncrasies. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm just imagining Celtic crunch. And I'm thinking, uh, and I, I live very close to Dublin, Ohio, which has the second largest Irish, and it's it's a massive, massive, like several million uh, person event that happens every year. Not last year, it was canceled, but in non-COVID times, it's an amazing celebration of general Irishness. And uh, so I close my eyes and I'm I'm imagining like a, a, a green ice cream. Uh, maybe it tastes like... Uh, I don't know, mint chocolate chip, which Guinness. is also my favorite ice cream. Um, maybe, a, you know, some, some, some gold flakes, but that's just so stereotypical. So uh, I'm sure some people are going to be offended and just going to want to yeah. come punch me in the face. <laughs> we, can make, we can make that one for you. I think that's, that's like a nice, that sounds like a good ice cream. Well, Amanda can make it for us since she's the ice cream maker. Yeah. She's got the skills by the homemade sound of it. Homemade ice cream, homemade ice cream. Cool. So... What's it like? Uh, so you got your four-year degree in teaching, and then you did teaching for a while. And I and I will share. My wife is a teacher, um, and she's been uh, doing that. Uh, she went, got her master's in you know in education, uh, and she's been kind of in the in the field now for I, I think it's twelve years in classroom, and now she's a curriculum coach for two years, uh, and it's not an easy not an easy job, and you know, she has a lot of friends also in the teaching profession. And I'm going to tell you, it is not uncommon for teachers to get out of the profession um, because it is a difficult, and I don't know what it's like, uh, you know, across the pond in terms of how teachers are compensated versus what they are asked to do. But every day of the week, I would say that Gina, my wife, uh, her job is way harder than mine. And I get paid a lot more than she does. And it's just, and I'm going to drop an, it's a fucking travesty because she works so much, especially when she was an in-home or not in-home, I'm sorry, a classroom teacher. She would work. She would go, she would do her work during the day and she, and I don't know what grades you taught, uh, but she's been at kindergarten and first grade. So God bless her. Those kids barely, you know, they're good kids, but they barely know even how to go to school, let alone, uh, you know, acting like acting like students. And she actually taught inner city for most of her career. So you can imagine some of the problems uh, that yeah. kind of come up, come along with that. Um, but man, she worked 10 times harder than, than me in my stupid marketing job. <laughs> uh, but for whatever reason, society seems to value people doing marketing things more in terms of compensation. And I just, I think it's a travesty. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my, I don't know. What was your, what was your experience like outside of maybe not liking, not liking the little ones? Um, what was your experience? Maybe like? that's not, it's not really fair to kids to say I didn't like kids. It was more, Some you, kids. Know, <laughs> you know, in my mind, 
like the system is broken. Uh, I think now I'm a parent myself, I've thought very differently about how I feel about these things. But, you know, teachers are so important in terms of like, these are the formative years of our children's lives. These are, you know, we're shaping little human beings that uh, will go on to do all the things in the world. And um, so no, it's hard it's a really hard job. It's not resourced enough. It's not, you know, you're not compensated enough. And um, it's not yet. Yeah, you know, yeah. I would like to have a little school where children like skip around in the woodland and make mud pies and just, mm-hmm. I don't know, all of that would be a little, little hippie school or something. But um, <laughs> I'm very grateful that um, for my, for my child's teachers and for, for the dedicated teachers that we do have, it's just not for me. It's not for me. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a, from a family of teachers and my oldest brother went, um, you know, graduated college, became a teacher, was about six years into it and just called it quits. And I think he went into it thinking he could change the world mm-hmm. and then went in there and just realized that like middle school kids mm-hmm. are not the nicest kids. <laughs> yeah, you know, so, they're, they're challenging time themselves. Aren't oh, they? exactly. Yeah. So he, he ended up leaving and, um, ended up trekking out towards Seattle, Washington, and now works for University of Washington. Um, not as a teacher, just like as some sort of, you know, behind the scenes person there, but loves it way better. I think it's just, you know, he's on people that are more on his level yeah. um, that are a little older and, and, you know, have goals in life and you're not like hurting cats at that same time. <laughs> yeah. So uh, one of our close friends went from being a teacher to a financial advisor, which is like, just so like they, they don't even compute. And you went from a teacher to being yeah. a marketer. So yeah. you, you know, you get out of college, you go through a couple of years uh, in the, you know, in the workforce uh, as a teacher, and then you decide to go back and get your master's mm-hmm. in marketing. Mm-hmm. How do you feel like that prepared you for what was to come after that? I think brilliantly in many ways, because I just, I don't feel like my, uh, my brain really switched on till I started doing my master's. Uh, and I think that when I, um, cause I was doing that uh, part-time as well as working full-time. So I did that over three years, but you know, it was, it was distance learning with some, some weekends on campus, but it just, I just started thinking differently and I think that um, because it was a, a, an MSc, so it had a, a like a research portion. So the whole idea of a research project and, you know, thinking about um, qualitative and quantitative data and um, yeah, just it was like suddenly I was switched on in terms of, you know, who am I? What am I doing? What what can I learn? What can I bring? What can I do? So um I think, yeah, it was a brilliant grounding because you get, you know, a a generalist grounding in marketing. I was already working in a marketing position, delivering the whole lot in a, in a small business. Um, So it was, it was, yeah, it was, uh, it it changed my life. It was brilliant. Yeah, it was great. And when you, so you, when you come out, you've got your master's and you know, you're, you're back into the workforce, but in a marketing capacity, um, and I, I do want to get into, you know, eventually, and this is our, our core episode topics, running a boutique agency. So I eventually want to get there. Um, <laughs> where did you, where did you start before 
you decided to break off on your on your own. Yeah, so I was still working at the Adventure Center. So yeah. they're actually still one of my clients now, 20 years later. So um, oh. I was I was working full time for them. Um, so it was like putting everything into practice in terms of, um, you know, all the stuff that I was learning in marketing. Um, and then, you know, that's where it sort of really zoned into, okay, well, we're doing small business marketing, but we're mostly doing small business digital marketing. But I'm mostly interested in small business SEO and content and local SEO. So that's where that came from. And the nice thing about all of it was it all happened in um, in an environment where I, or I just, it was so agile in terms of I could do everything straight away. There was no layers or processes of things that I had to, to go through to actually implement stuff, um, especially because a lot of implementation was low cost. Um, so yeah, I just did all, did all the things with that organization, um, which was a really nice grounding, I think, for then understanding, okay, well, you know, I can, I can bring some of this to, to somebody else now. And, and then from there, um, you went into other, other agencies. Is, is that before you, yeah, before so you formed your I own? Think it, I think it's really interesting, like the start, when you did your intro. So this is something that I've thought about my whole, you know, if you can call it, you know, career, um, is that there is no one path. There is no route to success or there is no accelerator through um when you decide you want to be an SEO, like you, you don't go off to university and do four years SEO. And then no. you do like, you know, keeping up to date with your SEO, you know, there's no body for these things. So everyone has a really, really different path. And because I had learned SEO from going, um, you know, not, not a technical background. Um, you know, I was reading Jill Whalen and then I was reading Moz and it was all, you know, this is a long time ago. And it was, so you're all, you're completely self-taught. I wasn't a web developer, you know, I was, you know, a straightforward customer service marketing person. Um, So you learn all those things and then you start saying, well, you know, maybe I've learned it wrong and maybe I don't actually know the things. Um, And then the agency experience is like uh, an opportunity to sort of go out there and go, oh, right, okay, I'm going to learn the things. I'm going to learn the systems and the processes and all the secret stuff that everyone knows. And then sometimes your experience is, oh, actually, I was doing it the right way already. I've learned some things. But what I've learned is that people are making up. (laughs) It's not like there's this secret source and I didn't know what I was doing. It was just like, ah, okay, yeah. So agencies, it was, you know, brilliant to to have that experience. Um, And obviously some really accomplished, amazing people I got to to work with and learn from. Um, But yeah, it wasn't agency. That wasn't for me especially because I live here in, in like in West Wales in the middle of middle of nowhere. It was like, if you want to go and work at a big agency somewhere, you, you're not going to be able to do that living in the middle of a coastal national park. <laughs> yeah. Although, I mean, COVID may change that, right? Uh, of course. But then com- by this point, yeah. I'm unemployable. You know, I've been well, like, yeah. working for myself for too long. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how can you, yeah. How can you go back if, if ever, once you've kind of branched off on your, on your own unless you get the the uh the offer you can't refuse yeah for, any, for yeah. anybody that knows i'm a mob movie mob movie uh, fan <laughs> <laughs> though, I, though i'll say it seems like you know you're in a better position now anyway like sounding where you live sounds amazing right so it's one of those trade-offs where 
Uh, now that I, I'm fully remote, me and my wife always kind of joke about like, now we can just like move to the beach full time or move yeah, to like a tropical island or yeah, yeah, exactly. And, um, I, I moved the whole family, you know, about 800 miles South to, to avoid some of those winters. Um, she's telling me we're never moving again, but I'm like, but now we can like move to, you know, Cancun or somewhere, you know, it's just somewhere warm all day. Yeah, because it's possible. It's it's yeah. shown up that that remote working, you know, is possible and people can be productive and we can get stuff done. Yep. But we miss seeing people, don't we? You know, that's one of the things is... Uh, I agree. You know. Mm. Yeah. I So I've been actually... I was remote working... Um, for quite a quite a while before the uh, before the whole pandemic, so I've actually gotten used to working working really closely with people. And Jeff included. Jeff, some people might not know this. I've only seen Jeff in real life maybe two times in my life, like actually in person. <laughs> and yet we've managed a podcast together because yeah. of the tech the technology. And we work we work great and we're friends, but we've only ever seen each other. <laughs> like twice and we've worked at two companies together which is insane totally crazy i was gonna say probably like 10 years ago too (laughs) yeah yeah and it's it's funny that you were kind of bringing up your experience kind of going into agencies and being uncertain with yourself um i had that experience uh, of course self-taught for anybody that's listened to episode 10 where i drone on for two hours about my my you know upbringing and my experience and how i got into it uh self-taught uh came from i worked at a damn pet store uh and i told the story a few episodes ago how uh the working in a pet store was great until the day where a little girl challenged me to get the tarantula out and i was like nope not doing it yep can't do that um yeah that was a great job uh, until that day. And and then it became like uncomfortable, you know, sweating <laughs> level, of, <laughs> level of, level of job. And I, you know, I fell, manager. I, I fell into marketing, <laughs> right. I fell into marketing. It wasn't, I never intended to be an SEO. Um, I wanted to be a graphic designer and I was, was not a very mature person and didn't take my college experience very seriously, which led me to my pet store job in my job at Staples, which I worked for seven days a week for about nine months in a row and finally just reached my breaking point. And I was like, I can't do it anymore. Um, which then led me to uh, a job with, with, uh, a weird little, weird little agency that did telemarketing on one side of the business and on the other side of the business did regular marketing. They were selling Yahoo local listings, uh, they were building websites or at least trying to back on, you know, in the early days of WordPress. And I was so bad at the telemarketing. And luckily I had had my friend was a kind of a big player at that, at that agency. And he brought me over to his side of the business, but he basically told me like, dude, you either learn how to build websites or you can't have a job here anymore. And when I self-taught uh, without any experience, do you know, uh, and this is a fun, fun little fact and it's, and it's, uh, it's ironic the way that I learned how to build a website wasn't by searching on the, I went to freaking Barnes and Noble and bought a book on HTML and CSS. That is insane uh, in this, you to think about it in 2020. Um, but I will say that book, even still one of the best, one of the best decisions of my life to literally go and read that book cover to cover. And I did, but then I ran into this thing uh, like, okay, well, my websites, they look pretty and, and pretty by 2006 standards. Um, but they don't get any traffic. Well, why is that? 
oh, there's this thing called SEO. And back then, as a college dropout who was just kind of very green, didn't understand the ways of the ways of the world, but made one good choice, which was that SEO for me was not something where, you know, most businesses uh, at that time, most professions, they required a four-year degree or even a master's. Well, I was like, well, I don't have that. So unless I want to be just relegated to these awful jobs, maybe I need to just dive headfirst into this SEO thing. And I did, and it was a good choice. And, you know, now I'm sitting here, 15 years later doing a, doing a podcast and things, things worked out for me. They worked out well. And I found something that was a differentiator and a, and a passion point. And I know that there are people out there like, okay, this isn't 2005, 2006 anymore, but there are people out there in a situation and SEO can still be a way. Um, it's still a, a profession where enough people don't understand it, that you can use it. If you learn it really, really well, um, as a differentiator for yourself, especially if you're going through a situation where like the tra traditional path is not for you. Uh, that is right. still possible, uh, in my opinion. And it's primarily possible because of exactly what you said. You can't, there's no university that teaches SEO classes, like even still in 2020. Now, you, there's a lot more available online that you can ha have to educate yourself than there was 15 years ago. But you can't, like, I can't go down to the Ohio State University and say, I want to get a degree in SEO. It does not exist. It, it boggles my mind. Like you can get marketing degrees, but they're not for necessarily the digital marketing. So I do find that a lot of people uh, coming out of school with marketing degrees, while they are super, super smart, not prepared to be on the front lines of, you know, an SC, on the agency side, you can't just take those people and plug them in as your lead SEO strategist on a big account, right? They're just not prepared. Um, and, and college, you know, where, you know, when you come out of college, you go to college to be a dentist, you come out, you're a damn dentist, right? Mm. You know what to do. You can start working right away. You come out of college in marketing and, and you started an agency and you're, and sometimes they just, they say, do you want to be a paid search person or an SEO person? And you go, eh, I don't know. I guess I'll do SEO. I'll try that out. You are in no way prepared. Um, you're minimally prepared uh, and to, to just not in the way that you would be prepared if you were studying another profession. So yeah. that's been my experience uh, as somebody who's just been in the industry for a while and has been responsible for helping those people along in their kind of experience and helping them develop their career. Um, it's been rare to see, to see ones come out and who were ready to, you know, be frontline directors of SEO or whatever, you know, whatever big title SEOs. Yep. Insert no, your title. I'm glad that they don't offer it in college because it gives me a little more security. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's one of those things that you have to, you, you need to learn it um, by doing. And, you know, I think a lot of people who come out of school with general marketing and, and, and you're right. A lot of times you go into an agency as like a junior search person, doesn't matter whether you're on paid or, or SEO and then you find out what you like between the two and you kind of jump on one or the other and uh, paid, paid search is, is sexier overall. Like it's just, you know, you're dealing with the bigger budgets, you ha like see instant results. There's not a lot of this. Well, it depends <laughs> like it, like it is in, in SEO, like our favorite answer. Um, and, and, you know, we, we kind of have to make our own playbooks and, and do it by trial and error. 
um, and lots of research. While in the paid world, there's like it's instant. You know, you made a mistake, and you can switch it and fix it, and and yeah. you know, and try a little harder. So, or try like try things a little bit better. So that's one of the things I think uh, lures people more towards the paid side. Um, but SEO, I mean, I think overall is just like end of the day, like. I feel like we're the mechanics that are lifting up the hood and, and checking the oil and checking, you know, kicking the tires and making sure things are, are, are proper. So, so Claire, you had, you had mentioned a little bit uh, as you had, had gone into these, uh, these agencies feeling like unsure of yourself. And I, and again, last week, we also made a great point. Number of years of service is not always an indication of quality. And, um, and I even myself go into situations where like, you know, I go onto Twitter and I'm like, these people are so much smarter than me. Like, what the hell am I doing with my career? Um, you know, and, and there are times when I'm uncertain about what to do. So that means, I guess, that I have a certain degree of imposter syndrome. And that's a very common thread throughout most of our episodes. So uh, kind of taking us back or even today, kind of what has been your experience with imposter syndrome and how do you battle it? I think, um, yeah, pretty huge experience of imposter syndrome. Um, It's been something that's been, you know, it's like maybe 10 years ago, we didn't have a name for it. It was just like, I feel underconfident. I don't feel I'm doing the best job. I think that other people are better than me. Um, How can I be better? You know, I'm letting people down, whatever it is. And then it's like, I think I sort of latched onto the term probably about five years ago. And I'm like, shit, yeah, I've, I've, I've got that thing. It's that imposter syndrome. I've definitely got that. And then um, I think from S, you know, there's always something in SEO, isn't there? It's like, I'm not good enough at this bit. I'm not good at, you know, for, for me, it was like, you know, I was apologizing for not being a tech SEO. You know, I was apologizing for not being technical enough. And I think one of the things is, is, is learning that, you can't be all the things. Not everyone is all the things. Um, so it, you know, how do you get here? Yeah, I don't know. I've just gone like uh, full, not full circle. Cause I don't like, I'm amazing. I'm really brilliant. But a lot of the time I just do stuff and I'm like, I'm probably doing this. Okay. This is definitely good enough. And I'm probably doing this maybe better than 75% of people could do it or 80% or whatever. You just push it up. You're like, you know, I'm doing an absolutely fair job of this. And also I can't do all the things. And if there's something that I can't do, I'm the quickest to put my hand up and say, do you know what? That's not my area of expertise, but, but do you know what I do have? I have got an amazing friend, colleague, whatever that does that thing. And that's how you learn, isn't it? Is like be, being free and open, happy to learn from other people. Um, and with the imposter syndrome thing, I think one of the biggest things I did was, um, said, I'm going to speak at an event. I'm just going to, I'm going to do this thing. And that was probably, um, was, what was that? Three years ago, three years ago when I pitched to, to speak at Brighton SEO and thought, what am I going to speak about? I'll speak about local SEO because that's, that's relevant. And that's a nice niche. And I like that. And then so suddenly you're like, Oh shit, I've got to learn all the things now, everything about everything. Um, and I think that was a, a turning point in terms of just thinking, do you know what? You, you, you are good enough. You're good enough. You know, you might not be the best, but you're definitely good enough. You're meeting your client's needs. Uh, you're, you're exceeding their expectation and you're doing a good job for people. Um, 
So yeah, imposter syndrome's still there. You know, it's like, you know, oh, you know, you're a bit crap or why don't you know about that thing? But you you learn to rationalize, don't you? Partly. Yeah. I think that's one of the yeah. biggest things. And, I, I, and oh, go celebrate. ahead. Sorry, yeah, celebrate your achievements. I've always like through my whole life done stuff and never stopped and said like, oh, well done, Claire. That was really good. You know, like <laughs> I graduated like with a distinction yeah. with my master's. Like, but I never stopped and went, oh, well done. You did really well with that. You know, you've got a distinction and you're published and you wrote a paper. Instead, I was like, what's the next challenge? What's the next thing that I'm doing? Mm-hmm. So I think one of the things is like just being a bit kinder to yourself. I think that's one of the, that's, that's probably key is just being a bit kinder to yourself. Yeah, I agree with that. And I I am terrible at that. Like I've, I've been the person uh, who constantly and it for me it goes it it runs way deeper right it runs all the way back to my to my childhood um but have always been (laughs) as it does probably with everybody have always (laughs) been the person yeah with the little devil kind of sitting on my shoulder going like you're you're not good enough uh and even 15 years into a career where I feel like I've had a certain degree of success and and uh by conventional conventional means um, that still, that still happens. And I know yeah. that there are other people out there where like, it's an, and for me, it is an everyday struggle every single damn day. Uh, and there are times where I see people's successes and instead of like, just being okay with other people being good, sometimes I turn that or find a way and I don't know how it happens. Uh, it's gotta be like a psychological thing where you turn that it, turn that around as an, an indictment on myself. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and uh, that sucks. Don't do that. People. That's don't, don't do that. No, no. Cause you can't, there's always going to be someone mm-hmm. that is better at something. And that's why you come back to come back to who you are, who you're, you know, who are you servicing and you know, what are you trying to do? What is the objective here? So it's, it's like, um, I'm not going to deliver a talk about um, Python or machine learning or um, there's a lot of things that I'm never going to talk about. I might become passionate about them, want to learn about them, probably not, because uh, there's other things that I'm busy learning about. So you can't be all the things. Um, so just concentrate on who you're trying to serve and, and, and work on serving them the best that you can. Jake, so, would it help if I sent you a Screaming Frog sweatshirt? It would help a little bit, Jeff, All but right. it's not going to get here before Christmas. <laughs> I don't know. I can yeah, send you this one. It's too late. You should have been thinking about my Screaming Frog sweatshirt needs well I before send, now. I'm going to send you a certificate. <laughs> I could send you and you could print it off. For the, All right. for the, <laughs> a certificate for the Jelly of the Month Club? Just, just, for being, just clever. I am enough. I am clever. I know the things. I'm doing and, a good job. And by the way, just to make me happy and because I'm feeling in the giving mood, if anybody listens to this episode and gets that reference, I will send you a sticker and maybe a certificate to the Jelly of the Month Club. I'm in the giving mood. All right. Uh, So you talked about speaking um, and we had talked about what I think are some really, really important questions that go into the decision to become public in the SEO space. And good God, I've had a lot of rants about, about the, the SEO conference speaking circuit and all the things that I dislike about it, but there are some genuinely good things about it, but it can be very, um, very intimidating uh, and very, very scary. So 
when you your first pitch to speak at a major conference was three years ago, mm. uh, what made you say say yes finally, and why is it important, I guess, to do things that maybe scare you a little bit? Um, I think especially with like as a lot of people wanting to get into speaking or yeah, so we just take speaking as the example. I think um, you know often the question is what why do you, why do you want to do this what for for what purpose because that's probably quite you know not everyone has I mean I know people use the word rock star but it's like not everyone has to grow their personal brand and ha- in a way that means they need to speak because you have to think about why why are you doing this is it external validation do you do you need to be externally validated to feel like you're doing a good job that's me um do you do it because, um, you know, you want to become uh, more well-known in your field and you want to be thought of as an industry-leading person? So you get asked to contribute, you can charge more money, you can get, you know, cherry-pick your clients. I think that's one big thing, isn't it, is understanding why, because not everyone needs to speak. You know, why do you want to do it? What's it for? What's the objective? Yeah. Become rich and famous. Yeah, okay. save the world. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and, uh, how did you, how did you, I guess, uh, get over the part that like scared you about it? Or- the, scare, the scary bit. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the, the, so, you, um, I think it was, so it was Brighton SEO April must've been three years ago. I'm really bad with timelines. Um, so you pitch, so you pitch and then God, then someone accepts your pitch. Oh no, you're actually going to have to do it. You know, were you secretly hoping? They said, no, thank you. Um, and then I did a confidence workshop with Kirsty Hulse, which you probably heard of Kirsty. So she does really good, um, like, you know, uh, confidence speaking workshops. The first one she'd ever done. I had no idea that it was the first one she delivered. And um, so you just start thinking I can do, you know, I can do this. And then, you know, speaking at some sort of smaller events, uh, local meetups, and how how do you get over the fear? I don't know. You 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 learn the you know the, the little strategies, don't you? There's so much out there. And again, I'm sure you're going to speak about mentoring. There's so much out there in terms of you know find someone that can help you with stuff. You know that could can make those recommendations and help guide you through that. Um, but yeah, so scariest thing I've ever done, but also the most enjoyable thing I've ever done. So speaking of mentoring, uh, search or United Search, what what better place if you're looking to looking to break in? Look at that. Uh, and also, uh, women in tech SEO uh, cannot understate uh, the the work that a reach former Page Two podcast alum uh, has been has been doing. Yeah, um, yeah. The, no, yeah. both both of those are potential really great uh, really great opportunities. Uh, I just think I can remember. Uh, just someone saying to me, um, don't be scared. Everyone wants you to do well. You know, there is that thing we, we are, you know, most of the time, you know, that, you know, we're rooting for each other. We want each other to do well. Mm-hmm. So don't go out there and speak to people thinking everyone wants me to fall on my face and be shit. It's, so it's not the case, is it? That brings me to a point I saw on Twitter and damn it. SEO Twitter just makes me so mad someday or sometimes where, and I don't, I, I even said last week, I rarely like delve into the the drama of twitter but this one kind of got me um last week i think it was a, a reach herself uh who might have been giving a keynote and somebody 
live commented while she was speaking that her that her keynote sucked and like come on like do like have a little empathy people like imagine yourself up there on stage that is really damn hard to get up there especially if you are not comfortable with public speaking which many many people aren't to get up there and deliver a damn keynote and she's doing so many great things for the in for the industry anyways um, I just can't believe that somebody would be that freaking rude. And I'm not saying like you can't have your feelings about the quality of a, of a keynote, but good God, have a little empathy. And if you're going to deliver that feedback, at least freaking wait until she's done. Because I can't imagine like being up there in the middle of my talk and have, having somebody like tell me I suck. Like, how can you go forward after that? Like I would, I, and I'm, God bless her. She, you know, she probably just did and killed it. But like yeah. that would be incredibly, incredibly distracting. Uh, yeah. And and not only that, like that would piss me off. Like I don't think I'd be able to get through it. I think I'd have to stop, probably stop and just, I don't know what I'd do. I'd probably say something <laughs> to that person. Like F you, man, you get up here, here, here. Yeah, exactly. I, you know, the feedback that, you know, I've done some stuff and, you know, if you're going to give someone like feedback, put it into a shit sandwich, put the nice bit, then the crappy bit, and then a nice bit underneath. And it's like, uh, yeah, I saw your thing and you should have said this, 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 and this. And like my feedback is I, I really look forward to, to seeing your talk about uh, this thing, whatever yeah, right. it is. It's like, honestly, you know, at least think about how to deliver something in a human way that isn't going to make someone feel awful. But well, you know. it's the world of online. They want you to feel awful because they feel awful about themselves. And yeah. yeah. You, you've nailed it, Jeff. That's yep. it, isn't it? But fortunately, we've also got lots and lots of lovely, amazing, supportive, yeah, exactly, authentic yeah. people in our industry. So, yeah. I kind of have a blinder to the hate. It's weird. It's like, good for you, man. Everyone says, like, oh, SEO, Twitter is negative. Like, I only read the good stuff, I think, because I just don't. You know, like if you don't have a Twitter icon or like, a, you know, there's certain things I, I do to put judgment towards someone, <laughs> especially like in LinkedIn. Like if you don't have your picture, then I'm not friending you. Or if you don't, you know, if you don't have like a little blurb about yourself and, and like a real background, like at the same time, like I just feel your spam and maybe it's some so I, I, I just feel like everything, like 90% of the things are spam anyway. <laughs> so I don't like really look into them, but I, you know, the, you know, the people that I know and I trust in the industry, I respect their decisions like, or, or their, their comments way more. And I kind of just focus on those. So we've got a lot still to cover. So let's move into the core episode topic today, which is going to be running a small boutique agency. So Jeff, I'm going to, I'm going to back off. I've been doing a lot of talking today. I think people want to hear less from me and more from you and Claire. Sure. So you go, <laughs> you go do you. Yeah. So what, what, well, I think we've kind of touched on some of it, but like what drove you from, you know, trying to work at the regular you know, workforce to breaking out on your own? I think there's a lot of us that would love to do that. Mm. Um, but, you know, to, you know, we just don't have the, the guts to do it or, or maybe we keep making excuses for ourselves saying, you know, Hey, like I, my excuse, so like, you know, and I, I feel bad that I projected on it. It's like, I, I'm married. I have three kids. Like, how can I break off and do something and not have that security in there? And I, I don't, you know, never really want them to feel like, oh, like, I, I would love to do this, except they're holding me back. Like, it's never that way. It's just one of those, it's a, it's something that's on my mind all the time where I feel like I need to 
make sure I'm holding my end of the bargain up <laughs> and breaking out on your own scary. So like tons of upside um, if things go well. And then, you know, there's the, the negative, which I always feel like I can get out of, but at the same time, it's like, it's way more, it seems way more stressful at times too. And I'm sure, you know, you breaking into that would do it, but what are some of the things you, you know, that went through your heads, the barriers you had, what, you know, what made you finally say like, that's it. I am now a small agency owner. I guess uh, I did it from the outset because I mean, there was a geographical thing for me that I needed to do something on my own. Um, I mean, if there had been uh, an opportunity to work with with an agency, then I might have taken it like 10 years ago, but I've been um, self-employed working on my own for 11 years now. Um, So that's that's quite a period of time. And um, I think that, Going freelance, going self-employed. I don't know about in the US, it's probably, it's definitely a thing in the UK in the last couple of years. A lot of people have like had industry experience, had agency experience, sort of um, built out their own um, profile in terms of their, their, you know, their personal brand and what they're known for. And then they go self-employed because they want to live the dream or whatever. Uh, but obviously there, there are upsides and downsides of, of both paths, I think. Yes. Um, for me, I wanted to be able to work my own hours. I wanted to be able to live where I wanted to live. And I wanted to be able to work with the types of clients that I wanted to work with. So that is, you know, where I still am now um, because I wouldn't take on a client that had a product or service that I didn't believe in. I wouldn't work with someone that didn't treat me like a, you know, a human being, someone that that wasn't like, like us, like, like (laughs) nice people that were friendly and, you know, kind and uh, clear with communication. And um, so I think, yeah, that's the biggest thing for me is picking and choosing my own clients that work in products and services that I understand because I find it much easier to market something. I mean, I've, I've worked for people that are just like, you know, for example, I worked with an innovation agency last year. So that wasn't within my wheelhouse. It's like, you know, what is this? So I can learn about new uh, new marketplaces, new products, but it's easier for me to go, oh yeah, you make um, you make gin. Yeah, I understand gin because I drink a lot of it. Um, yeah. People that have like good- I just made some. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, social or environmental uh, beliefs, you know, people that, you know, pro- uh, have a, 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 a market, a product or service that I believe in. Um, it just gives me the opportunity because I can't imagine working in an agency and someone saying, oh, you know, here are some people that are basically raping the environment and fucking the world up for every- whoops for everyone. Um, why don't you help them sell stuff to people that don't need the stuff? I would be a bit like, no, I don't want to yeah. do that. So, yeah. No, and, and I think helping, and I think you focus more on small, medium-sized businesses. And, <laughs> and um, I think we touched on this last week, but the idea of just being able to help like, you know, I'm thinking if I broke off and started my own thing and, you know, say that I was, uh, you know, I worked at a hair salon and I went mm-hmm. to break, like, I know about cutting hair. I don't know. I mean, I don't have any hair. That's a bad example. But, you know, exactly. I started a beard grooming place. <laughs> I like that. You should do it. Should do and, it. Uh, but, uh, you know, you, you, you break off there. Like, you don't know about marketing and search. So, like, you really put your trust into someone there. And at the same time, um, you know, you, you're like you, they don't know a lot about it. So a lot of people, there's a lot of 
scammy and and untrustworthy people who break off and just make that money. A lot of agencies, like I, I they're kind of like churn and burn agencies that I really dislike. <laughs> um, I might call some out once in a while, <laughs> but in general, like there's really, well, I, I've, I've seen it a lot where it's just, you know, they're charging someone, you know, a thousand dollars a month. Yeah. And they're getting like a blog post and three links and you know, that's oh, their, I hate it, that. it's not really like hoping that business out. And, no. and that's where, um, you know, maybe like, oh, great. Like I, I rank for a certain keyword that doesn't drive any traffic, but as a small business owner, I might not know about that. Mm-hmm. Might not know what those correct marketing things are. So I, I really like applaud you and like doing it the right way. And then going after industries that you're passionate about definitely makes sense. Like yeah. I tried to help a small coffee place around me that does coffee roasting. Yeah. I was going to them right before the pandemic broke yeah. out and they were, they were great. So like, I tried to give them some like keyword research and these are some mm-hmm. of the things, like, here's your competitors that like, you might not mm-hmm. even know you had competitors mm-hmm. down the street. Mm-hmm. Cause to me, like I, I buy roasted coffee from them. Um, but there's coffee shops that sell roasted coffee that might not be like, you know, might be local, but they might have, you know, not be that way. So I was really trying to show them like, here's the marketing side of this that you're mm-hmm. not really doing well. Like you really like had the energy to start this and, and go there and you make amazing, like rare coffee blends that I love. Um, so I was trying to help them out and, and, you know, I don't know if what they did with that cause I, I'm not in the business of doing that. So I just kind of did a quick audit, push things yeah. through with them. Um, and just, you know, they were super thankful on it because it's like, I, I did it for free just to help them out. But I also didn't want them to run out to somebody during a pandemic and just get, you know, bulldozed over with $2,000 charges that weren't really uh, doing anything for them. So, cool. so I mean, what are, let's see, uh, I'm trying to think of what to ask. Uh, so do you, do you have any favorite clients? I know, I think you said you've been with some for a long time. <laughs> Um, but like, what are some of your favorite clients that, that you work with and, uh, maybe some of the things that you've, you know, done to really help them out? Um, oh, it feels funny when you name people's actual names, anyone that, don't need like, to name them, but anyone yeah. that follows me on Twitter knows that I work for an attraction here, which is, um, an adventure park and a zoo mm-hmm. called Holly Farm. So it's just like, um, Right. So describe your ideal client. It's like, oh, well, some one that has baby rhinos and like it has the, you know, it's just like you're never going to be short on content. Are you? Here are some meerkats. Here is a baby rhino. Here is this. Here is that. And they're 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 brilliant. So it's just like it's like content gold. Plus, they're awesome. Plus, they're customer focused. Plus, they provide a brilliant experience. Plus, they're great organization, uh, like always uh, inward investment, blah, blah, blah. They're just amazing. So um, I don't work with anyone I don't like, um, which is which is really nice for me. Uh, just for, you know, on the thinking about like being, you know, self-employed and um, finding your niche and understanding who you're serving, Um just, um, you know, I've managed to stay in business for, or was it 10 years, 10 years. And then like uh, coronavirus, COVID-19. And, and I realized, do you know what? It wasn't such a great idea only to work with people in um, hospitality and uh, tourism. Mm. Um, because I basically lost uh, 20%, no, what was I down to? 20% of my um, average income. So I took a huge hit in February Um that's in terms sad. of shit, maybe I'm, you know, I had no client, I had nothing, you know. Um, so that was, uh, you know, when you're working with small businesses or when you're setting yourself up, 
Um, it's like understanding, okay, well, I hadn't actually thought about what a pandemic would do to my customer, customer base. Um, I don't think many people did. No. So that was a biggie for me. Um, and I know for a lot of people, but just it's that sort of um, thinking about putting your, all your eggs in one basket. So that was an issue, definitely, yeah. for me. Um, Were there any yeah. clients that you took on and realized right away that this wasn't going to be a good partnership? Yes. You know, the name names. <laughs> how did you handle that, that? How did I handle it? Um, when I, can I just tell you about a nice thing to do with, uh, with, with, with COVID, a nice thing to oh, do yeah. with COVID. I know that sounds like uh, it's not going to work, <laughs> but when, um, when that, when that happened, you know, when it, when the shit hit the fan, I can just remember um, a friend of mine, um, uh, uh, Dan, you know, going, why don't you tweet something? You know, you've got a great community. You're a really experienced marketer. You know, you are, you know, nice things like you are a catch. You will be good for people. And I think I wrote a, this tweet and it was just shared. And I had all these DMs and loads of people get to me, come into me saying, um, you know, can, can you just do a quick audit on this? Can you do this? Will you try this? So suddenly I went from having zero to all of these people offering me work. Um, and that was amazing. You know, That's that great. was like, yeah, you made me cry quite a lot, actually, thinking about all the nice people that we had in our community. Um and then this sounds like a bit of a segue, but uh, it is a bit of a segue. So one of those was um, Bright Local that said, uh, will you write a course for us? Um, so that's another thing that I'm really excited about is like in, in terms of, okay, I can actually say well done to myself for staying in business for, for 11 years and sort of riding a pandemic and uh, still, you know, being able to um, get clients, service clients, do my own marketing, build my own personal brand, write content, you know, have a website, all of those things. I do them. I do those things for myself. So I've um, written a course for the new academy on um, Bright Local, which is called How to Land Your First Local SEO Client. Nice. So when I was writing it, I was like, oh, I actually know some things that might be useful for someone else that is going to set up on their own. Um, so we broke that down into, I think it's eight lessons, um, defining your services, how much will you charge, uh, positioning yourself, marketing yourselves, how to pitch, stuff like that. Um and that was wicked, just writing that all up and going, I, you know, I've learned these things in these 10 years. Um, so that's going to that that's a pretty exciting thing that came out of that time. Um, and with, with, the, with the clients that I got, it was just like um, I, I, I was happy to do the work and I really enjoyed the work. It was a little bit of local SEO stuff. But I just realized that, OK, maybe I wouldn't have chosen you just because I don't tend to work in um, like a, a very spammy environment. And you seem mm -hmm. like you would be happier with someone that was, ha you know, didn't want to do solid um, uh, marketing that's based on longevity and, and staying, you know, within the guidelines. You don't want that. And that's what I do. So maybe we're not a great match. I think that was my main. I had a couple of those. Yeah, I had a, a similar experience of you know, when the pandemic hit, I was like one of the casualties that got laid off during it. But just by posting that on Twitter, like SEO Twitter, and this is maybe why I look at it more positively, <laughs> like so many people reached out and, and I, I felt like I had interviews with so many companies just from me being open and, and, yeah. and honest on Twitter and not trying to, you know, 
play it down by any means. I was just like, hey, I'm, I'm looking for work. <laughs> and oh, um, so many that. came through and it was great. Brilliant. Well done. That's excellent. Yeah. Great. I mean, everyone like people that I didn't even expect, like, you know, that I feel like were, you know, with some of that imposter syndrome, like, oh, they wouldn't care about that. Like yeah. reaching out and, and, and like setting me up with interviews or like, I've heard about this company and so many different, like, like I know Alita with her remoters group had like a giant spreadsheet of all like remote employment opportunities. And, yeah. and it was great. Cause I just would go down that list every day <laughs> and send out, you know, resumes and, 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 ended up working out really great in my, in my, you know, world now, but at the same time, it was like, it was a scary time. No one knew what to expect. So. So I, I want to get in one last question and then I want to move on to the Twitter questions. Cause we've got a, we've got a lot of Twitter questions. We've got two carryovers from last week, but I do want to kind of kind of close the book on running a small uh, boutique agency. Uh, so as you, you know, as you kind of started it over uh, a decade ago, what have been your biggest unexpected challenges of running an agency? I always feel like that's a very grand thing to say, like running an agency, but I guess, I guess that's a what it is. A consultancy, yeah, agency, I guess whatever so. you want to call yeah, it. Just me, just me. Um, unexpe- unexpected challenges, did you say? Besides COVID, yes. Besides COVID. <laughs> oh, gosh. I... I think it's probably all the sort of um, internal struggles that you have. Um, those are always quite unexpected with, uh, you know, what am I doing? What am I trying to do? Uh, what is the purpose of this thing that I have created? And, you know, a lot of people, um, so for me, that's been the biggest struggle in terms of, um, is it about salary or is it about the number of hours that I want to work or is it about where I want to live or is it about uh, what I want people to think of me or the relationships that I want to have with my clients or with the people within my industry? Um, yeah, so it's probably been stuff like that. I mean, I, that's probably not very helpful, but the, 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 the course and the bits and bobs that I've, you know, when someone goes in and goes, I want to be self-employed, I want to do this. They don't, um, I already knew because I'd been running small businesses, what it is to run a small business. So when you are running a small boutique agency, you're also running a small business. So I knew the stuff about, well, you need to deliver the services and you need to market yourself and you need to do your accounts and you need to do, what about professional development? Where the bloody hell do you fit all that in as well? So um, I sort of like to think that I had predicted those things. Well done me. Good job. <laughs> good job. Good job. All right. So uh, hopefully uh, if anybody out there is thinking about breaking off and forming your own consultancy or uh, a small agency, whatever you want to call it, uh, maybe some of that advice was uh, hopefully pretty helpful for you uh, if you're thinking about making that transition. But I do want to get into uh, the Twitter questions. So I'm counting one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. That's a record for us. You know, we usually, uh, you know, we get two or three, a uh, little bit like screaming, screaming into the void, trying to get people to ask questions on Twitter. But this week, because of Claire, because of obviously, and some of our questions are more facetious because uh, Claire has some uh, super huge supporters in the industry. Uh, I, I think we'll have some more like haha questions, but some serious questions. So uh, we'll kind of intermix the two. 
Okay, so first question, this one stems from last uh, last week and we ran out of time. So we carried it over to this week is from Mark Alves, former sticker winner, I, I will say. Uh, so just as we're evaluating who gets to win the t-shirt this week, just know Mark's won a sticker. So just keep that in mind. Sticker's not the same as a t-shirt. That being said, he's a, he's a former winner. Uh, imagine a local social services organization with a few offices. Some services are performed on-site, some remotely, and some out in the community. Is this scenario a candidate for a Google My Business listing or listings, or is a knowledge panel a better approach? Thanks, and I'll hang up and listen. <laughs> okay, that sounds like, it sounds like a difficult one. Um, what did you say, social? What was, the, what was the vertical? What was the niche? Yeah, I don't think he said it. It just said it, uh, local social. Well, you did say a local social services organization that what has does a that mean. What's uh, local social services? Uh, I'm trying to think of a good uh, a good example. Um, maybe some. Maybe like Jeff. Maybe you know. Uh, maybe somebody that like helps. Yeah, kids, like a healthcare like professional healthcare. or yeah, a therapist or something. Yeah, therapist. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. All right, so let's not. Fo- let's just imagine this is a this is a place that has a few offices. Local service, where okay. yeah, where some of the, some of the services that they do are performed on site, some are performed mm-hmm. remotely, and some are performed out in the community. Yeah. Uh, so what he's wanting to know is 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 a good approach for that organization with their handful of offices and their kind of varying approaches to service. A, should they put that information in their in their GMB listing or should they focus more on their knowledge panel if they have one? I think so GMB listing because they have like a bricks and mortar location that mm-hmm. makes in-person contact. So make, uh, if they've got, he says there's multiple locations. So yep. hooray, even more opportunity to get visibility, isn't it? So have those lovely um, listings you know, if they've got the opportunity, you know, I don't know what you get with the, because it depends on the primary category, then I'd be um, listing out the um, models of service delivery, probably in my products. If they haven't got that, I'd be doing it in my services. And then I'd be making sure that it was all really clear on my individual landing pages for each of those locations on my website, what my service delivery model was and how I've pivoted that in terms of COVID. But that sounds like a lovely setup because, wow, you've, you, you're doing everything for everyone, aren't you? So it's like you've got a bricks and mortar location. You're also a service area business. So you can, you know, you can have banging landing pages and you can also have brilliant GMB profiles for all of those. Excellent. So next question is from Kyle Rose at Rose underscore KW. He works, works at search discovery. Uh, so Kyle's awesome. Uh, 2020 has been extremely tough on small businesses. What type of local strategies have risen to the top this year to help mom and pop stores compete? Ooh, I think that a lot of them have hopefully discovered what GMB is and what it can do for them. So I think that this has been the year of, okay, you need to basically Google My Business is like a a separate CMS, isn't it? So you need to learn how to use it because this is, you know, the whole Google is your homepage, blah, blah, blah. You need to make sure that GMB, everything is filled out, you know, use the COVID post or don't use the COVID post, use a normal post, but make sure you've got information on your website that covers all of the how you're operating. So then you can link to that. But I think, yeah, making the most of Google My Business, 
in this time when people are, you know, who've got near me is going up again. People are turning to, they want to see the latest information. They want to feel safe. They want to understand health and safety. They, you know, it depends what your, what your, what your niche is, but yeah, GMB, but not because I'm like always a GM, you know, I'm not like GMB is everything, but yeah, you need to, <laughs> you need to be using that as a small business yeah. for sure. Absolutely. And I can attest, uh, I had a recent experience where, and it was COVID related. So I went to a local coffee shop who uh, offers uh, uh, mobile ordering ahead. And in their mobile app, I was allowed to complete my mobile order. I went to the store and I, and I gave them my money and they were closed. Do you know how I was so mad? I was like, son of a bitch. I just gave you like 10 bucks and you're not oh. open and I'm not getting my food. What the yeah. hell? It's not good. And then look at, think, think about what you're doing. Think about what, yeah. what you're doing to your review profile. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's one of the biggest things is like, yeah. you know, let's get yeah. all of our ducks in a row. Let's understand how we're offering, how we're going to offer this product, how we're going to pivot. And then let's write that somewhere. So everyone knows. Yeah. And, uh, and I gotta be honest, like I, I gave them a pass uh, because of course it's COVID and, you know, trying to run a local business during COVID is probably, uh, way more insane. So I gave them a pass and I just attributed it to, Hey, I go there all the time. Uh, enjoy your $10 tip that I just gave you. I was like, I'm not even going to bother calling customer service and trying to get my money back because like they, they take care of me. So I just, just, cons- I, I, I just, I was mad for a second. And then I was like, all right, they just got a $10 tip. Um, okay, so from Amanda Jordan, last week's guest at Amanda T. Jordan, I want to know what it's like to be so amazing. Please ask her for me. <laughs> so what's that like? Uh, Amanda, like in terms of Amanda being on my radar, like because everyone's got people that they follow and that they look up to that are just brilliant. So Amanda is like someone that, is definitely like putting herself out there and, um, you know, build, you know, I keep saying personal brand, but you know what I'm saying when I say that, you know, she's putting herself out there, she's sharing her knowledge. But apart from that, she's doing that in a, you know, a really personable, amazing way. Um, So basically, I just have to send that love back to her because she's like super clever. And uh, I'm always asking her loads of annoying questions about things. And she like, she's, she's brilliant. (laughs) So your head is, I think, probably going to continue to to get big as we kind of finish out these questions. So and to the person that asked this question, your Twitter handle is, I think, the way that I'm going to pronounce your name because it makes sense. So your Twitter handle is at Howdy Duty, but your name is spelled D-O-U-G-H-T, which sounds, I guess, in the U.S. like Doughty, Doughty. So I'm going to say Kim, Kim Duty. Hopefully I've pronounced your name right. So this is, this question's from Kim. Just where the hell does she get off being that funny and amazing? The nerve. Like, it's just like, like Kim, like when we talk about, you know, you talk about your relationship, your friendship, the two of you, and the fact that you've never, like you've only met twice in real life. I mm. am like incredulous at the number of people that yeah. I consider like, um, really good friends like really good people that you if you met them in real life you would like love them and you would be like you know you're my you're amazing you inspire me you are you're amazing so yeah Kim Kim's like one of one of those pe- people really so uh yeah thanks 
Um, but uh, <laughs> I love you. <laughs> uh, so next, next, so we got we got six more. Uh, next question is Jessica Jess from Jessica U at Jess four thousand and two. What do you? Th- and this is a serious question. What do you think is the biggest SEO myth? This is, you probably hate me because I go a bit uh, navel gazing on all of these things rather than, you know, keywords aren't a thing anymore. It's just like uh, the SEO myth is that you have to be everything or that you have to be a technical SEO to be an SEO. That's the, that's like, yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely agree with that. Uh, from Nikki Mosier, another page two podcast alum at Nikers 85. I would like yeah, Nikki's awesome. I would like to know how to be like Claire when I grow up. (laughs) How does she? How can we be like you when we when we all grow up and get our big big boy and girl jobs? (laughs) I think I think I told her in the response to that. I said uh, repress all your feelings till you're 36, and then have some intensive therapy. (laughs) Yeah, my uh, that's funny. My uh, my in laws always uh, when my wife. Uh, is complaining about this or that one of the, they're famous for going tell it to your therapist. <laughs> oh, all right. Uh, and that's definitely. Also, not- I love, I love Nikki. I love, yeah. I love Nikki. Yeah. So this is an interesting question. Uh, the next two. Uh, so from Jeff Kennedy at Jeff Kennedy, cold water swimming. Isn't it a bit cold? <laughs> yes, Jeff, it is. Very cold from Miriam Ellis. Uh, and this is actually, I think, an interesting question. I'm curious to hear the answer to this. Uh, at Miriam underscore Ellis underscore, are there tide pools on your swimming beaches? If so, what sorts of sea life live in them? That's an interesting question. Uh, thank you, Miriam. There are, so I, my thing that I really love doing that um, some people think is a bit weird is cold water swimming in the sea here. So it's about um, six to 10 degrees um, Fahrenheit a week. I think, no, I'm centigrade, aren't I? Yes. Yeah, six to 10, which is yes. about 40, 42 Fahrenheit. Does that sound right? Sounds anyway, good. so it's, um, so it's good. mental health is very good for your mental health. And it's also hilarious. And it's a nice way to be in nature, if that makes sense. So yeah, there are tidal pools. And so you can pretend you're a mermaid. So you can do mermaiding in, in pools if you find them. But yeah, there's loads of stuff like, um anemones limpets barnacles lots of things um in the rock pools so it's yes there are nice (laughs) or uh two more questions so from hannah lily stowe at hannah lily stowe stowe with an e uh i would like to know how you are such a goddess and what does uh oh geez uh, looks like we've got a typo and what does happen when you are 15? That's maybe a weird type. Just let's just go. How are you such a goddess? <laughs> okay. Uh, well, there is a, like the, the Hannah is um, uh, the daughter of a, a friend of mine. Um, and uh, I think the, the, what you, when you're 15 is the, 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 the thing where every, every time she had a birthday, um, she's, what is she now? 20 something. Every time she had a birthday, I was like, Oh, you know what happens when you're 14, don't you? Oh, you, know <laughs> you know what happens when you're 15, don't you? So she's just like, isn't sure what happens when you're 15. Um, uh, yeah. So that's the story of that. Well, what does happen when you're 15? Well, I can't remember so long ago, like <laughs> what happened, Lo- some stuff. I can't remember. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, for for 15-year-old boys, and I'm sure for 15-year-old girls, I'll just, my answer is lots of uncomfortable things. Um, from <laughs> last question, then we've got to pick a winner. Uh, who is worthy to have a Page Two Podcast t-shirt besides just me and Jeff? Uh, from Marianne Sweeney. Uh, yes, and you, at Miss uh, Miss. Miss Sweeney, uh, all over one word, uh, what are you reading for professional development? I thought this was really, so um, Ma it's Marianne, it's Marianne, isn't it? Marianne. Yeah, so she followed that up with saying what her areas of expertise were and I was like, uh, <laughs> like you're really, really clever. Uh, um, so she, uh, if, if for, for my professional development, so I've got a big list of resources on my website, which needs updating of like all the people um, in local SEO that I follow. Um, so I just read and listen and uh, do the testing um, and, do, and do all of those things. But it's sort of managing in terms of like timetabling your own learning. Is that an hour a day or is it a day a week? Um, what's important to you? What delivers the, the most value? So um, that's how I've managed it uh, in terms of I think we live, we're in an industry where things, you know, there are people like it changes so quickly, it changes every day, but like the tenets of marketing remain the same, don't they? So, you know, we, we need to understand what people buy, how they buy it, what they need. Um, and then, you know, so yeah, it depends what you want to learn, isn't it? But um, there's always someone curating content somewhere in your niche is what I have found. So you need to find out who that person is and then read all the things that they share. Excellent answer. So out of 10 questions, so we've got Mark with his local question. We've got Kyle with his 2020 rising to the top local question. Uh, we've got Jessica with her biggest myth. We've got Marianne with professional development. And then we've got Amanda, Nikki, Jeff, uh, Jeff, Hannah with their personal flattery and Miriam with her, or no, I'm sorry, Hannah with personal flattery plus inside joke and Miriam with her interesting sea life question. So out of all of those questions, who is, is, is worthy of winning that t-shirt? I swear I should probably be, I think, someone that someone that like wrote some I mean I the people that wrote lovely things that's really kind and I love them but one or two or one two or ten or the other person that thought of a good question too hmm. so, so not the I love not no I love Claire's Claire's all right so no, no, no I love Claire's no I one. love Claire's all right so let's do the personal development question I think that that uh, Jeff what do you think sounds great yeah all right. And Kyle's just going to have to, since he, he works with me, he's going to have to figure out another way to bribe me for a, a t-shirt or a sticker. <laughs> All right. Yeah. No. Uh, so Marianne, uh, if you are listening, uh, you are the winner of a page two podcast t-shirt and we oh, will nice. be reaching out to you uh, to get your address and send that along its way. Uh, so we need to close out the episode. So Jeff, uh, take it home. Yeah. What words of advice would you give to a person that's just getting into SEO? Um, fundamental. The and, end. And <laughs> any, any specific mentors you would recommend? 
<laughs> well, it depends what you want to Always. learn. Isn't it? But that's why the yeah. um, I, I think there is a, a bit to be said about the you know it's nice to like raise this idea of mentorship, but you you need to understand what you're asking of someone and what you can deliver in return. That's part of it. Otherwise, because if you can imagine that if 20 people reached out to you tomorrow and said, can you give me an hour of your time once a month? What would that look like? Would you be able to support them in their learning? Yeah. Probably. Yeah. That's a, that's a big, uh, a big ask, not just uh, on, it takes a lot of courage to reach out to somebody to ask for help, but it's a lot on the mentor too. So. For yeah, sure. But there's these lot. amazing programs. That's the thing is that exactly. there are lots of different programs now where people are making themselves available to help people. So definitely, um, you know, looking at United Search, looking at women in tech SEO or whatever that thing is, you, you find something where people are putting themselves out into the forum and saying, you know, I'm happy to give some time to people. Absolutely. Mm. So, Claire, where can yeah. people find you? Uh, Twitter at Claire Carlisle. I'm on there too much. Too much. Uh, and what's your website? And uh, uh, the the I was going to ask you uh, earlier with your the course that you're developing. What is the link to the Bright Local uh, Academy course when it's available? If you have, well, it? I think I think it is. Um, I think it's on a subdomain of Bright Local. I think it's academy.brightlocal.com. And then if you just do a Google for the Claire Carlisle Marketing, then you will find my website. Awesome. All right, uh, Claire, thank you. I know we ran uh, about five minutes over, but I do appreciate you taking the time to, to tell your story and, and give advice and kind of share your experiences very candidly. It was a, uh, another great episode of the Page Two podcast, and we definitely thank you so much for, for coming on. And now we're, because we record on Fridays, we're sending you off to the weekend. Uh, and Jeff and I, uh, because you're across so the pond, we got four more days. Page Two podcast. So if you'd like today, to find so. out more oh, about the show, I'm about to go play some golf. New episodes, <laughs> visit us at Our episodes are also available on a number of other Additionally, you can also listen and watch our show on our YouTube channel or follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, or Facebook. If you'd like to get in touch with us, contact us at thepage2podcast at gmail.com. Until next time, happy optimizing.